Well, we welcome everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. Let's all stand this morning. Good to see all of you. We appreciate all of you being here. Appreciate our visitors being here this morning. We, we so thank y'all for coming and being part of this service. It is our desire when we meet here together that the Lord Jesus Christ manifest himself to every one of us. We all have need of Jesus in our lives. Can I get a witness right there? I'm going to ask Brother Warren Vickers to come and open us in a word of prayer. Let's all pray. Father, we sure do love you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for another time, another opportunity to be at your house this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, everything that you've done for us, Father. We pray now, Lord, that uh, you'd be with us here in this service. Lord, we pray you'd be with the musicians, Lord, uh, the singers. And Father, Lord, that anything that we would do here this morning would just honor and glorify you. And Father, we pray, Lord, the man that stands here this morning, Lord, just anoint him afresh, give him the words that he studied that we need to hear this morning that we can hide in our hearts and, and bring out when the time has come. Father, we pray all this in your blessed name, Jesus' name. Amen. Main standing, page 381. Yeah. 
If you have any tithes and offerings, you can bring them at this time and give them. appreciate all of you can be seated. <clears throat> we appreciate all of you being here, as I said, at the opening of the service. We do appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors. Thank you all for coming to Murrayville Baptist Church. Let me mention one, uh, one announcement here that's pressing us on February the 11th will be our Valentine's banquet. So please be in much prayer for that. And you can look at your bulletin and see some other things that's going on. So uh, remember to look at your bulletin. Blessed 
See young people get up for Jesus, amen. That'll make a dead Baptist shout. <laughs> amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. When you find that uh, passage in your Bibles, let's all stand. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I pick on other religions also, but I really pick on the Baptist. They need picking on. Amen. We need waking up. Amen. We need revival. Ah, oh, yeah. Second Timothy chapter number 4. I'm going to be reading the entire chapter just to get the context of what's being said and what's being written. Uh, what's being presented in this portion of Scripture. I pray that you'll follow along with us as we, as we look at 2 Timothy from the Word of God, chapter number 4. Paul writing, he says it like this. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom. By the way, Jesus is coming back. Whew. He said, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and we're there today. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans unto Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. And my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Whew. Oh, glory. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear 
And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila in the household of Nesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth and Tropimus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee and Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. That's reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, the entire chapter. I want to draw your attention back to three thoughts presented by Paul in these verses. I want you to look back in verse number 9, where Paul writes to Timothy. He said, do thy diligence to come shortly to me. Then verse number 13, look at the middle of the verse. When thou comest. And then verse number 21. Do thy diligence to come before winter. I'm going to take that phrase and that thought. Come before winter. And just preach to all of our hearts this morning. With that thought. Come before winter. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. We bless your precious name. Lord, the good singing that we've heard this morning, thank you for every song sung. Lord, the world's listening to their music, and here we are drawn aside this morning to listen to words about Jesus, songs that uplift his name, songs that tell us about heaven and going there. And I'm thankful, Lord, to be in that crowd that enjoys and listens to that kind of music. Lord, I pray as we gather ourselves around the good word of God now, that for a little while that you would use my life to preach the word of God, to be instant in season, out of season, that I might reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, just as your word tells me to do. I pray, Father, that you'd move in that special way of God even now, Lord, I sense your presence, and Lord, you're moving even now in our service. And I know that you've got things in mind that you want to accomplish while we're here. So, Lord, we're praying and we're asking, may the will of Christ be done at Murrayville Baptist Church as it is in heaven. And we'll thank you and praise you for everything that you'll accomplish. For it's in that holy, precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. You be seated this morning. You may not realize it as you read through your Bible. Because there's more Bible to be read at, after 2 Timothy 4. But in the chronology of the Bible, this is the very last writing of Paul. He wrote 13 of our books of the Bible and... This is the very last book that he writes. This is the last chapter that he's writing to his audience. And he's writing to a man by the name of Timothy. Timothy is a young man. He's been led personally to the Lord Jesus Christ by Paul. Paul considers him his son in the faith. And he's writing to him and he's encouraging him and exhorting him 
to preach the Word. Would you agree with me? We need more preachers to stand up and preach the Word today than ever before. We don't need, we don't need fables preached unto us. We need the Word of God preached unto us today. And he's exhorting him. He says, Timothy, preach the Word. And he tells him, he said, See, he said, son, there's going to be seasons to it. He said, there's going to be seasons in and seasons out. He said, but whatever thy lot finds, he said, just preach the word. He said, the time's going to come when people will not endure sound doctrine. They'd rather just have their ears tickled for a little while and be able to go home, leave the same way that they walked in. They really don't, they really don't want to hear from heaven. They really don't care what God has to say about anything. And that generation is the generation we are now living in. And then he encourages him. He says, listen, whatever you do, you make sure you finish and make full proof of thy ministry. He said, Timothy, he said, I've, I've come to the end of it. He said, I've finished my course. I've, I've made the end of my run. He said, I'm nearing the station I'm coming in for a landing. And he said, Timothy, he said, you just make sure that you fulfill the will of God for your life. And then he tells him as Paul is sitting in a prison cell writing these words. He's been sitting in this prison cell for a long time. This epistle of First and Second Timothy is known as the prison epistles. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he informs him and encourages him to do his diligence to come shortly unto him. He says in his text, he says, in my first answer, nobody stood with me. He's in his latter years. He's in his ending years. He's taking his final breaths, if you will. And he's He's, he's all alone in that prison cell. There's only one other person that has stayed with him, and his name is Luke. Luke is a physician, a medical physician. And he's there for several reasons. He's there for, he's there for companionship, but he's there for medical reasons. Paul had a lot of medical issues that needed tending to. And Luke traveled with Paul to see to it that the preacher was tended to physically and, and able to preach the Word of God with his help. And Luke is the only individual with Paul. And he's encouraging Timothy. Can you imagine as Paul is sitting in that, is in that cell? And it's not like the cells we see and experience today in our life. It's not a, a modern cell. It's an old dingy dungeon of a cell. There's not any comforts. There's not anything to help him enjoy his stay there. And he feels all alone. He's in his latter years. He's in his final moments. And he's left all alone. It really shouldn't be that way in a man's or a woman's latter years. But we find that that happens a lot in life. A person, an older person gets to their ending years and they just feel all alone. They feel like nobody cares. Nobody, nobody knows that they're around. 
But Paul said this, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. He knew that there was one standing with him through it all. And his name was Jesus Christ. Hey, if that's all we've got to stand with us in these final days, I say glory to God. Thank God that Jesus will stand with us. He writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, do thy diligence. Make every effort. Do, make sure you don't let up with this, with this effort, but do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Then in verse number 13, he says, when thou comest, he says, bring Mark with thee. And then for our final text this morning in verse number 21, he said, do thy diligence to come. And he adds two words. He adds a stipulation. He said, do thy diligence to come before winter. You know, we're in the winter time of our lives right now in that season of life. And I've noticed that the change of every season that we incur, that we enjoy the beginning of the season, but then once we get into it, we begin complaining about that season. We enjoy the summertime. And we talk about the summertime and can't wait to all the things that summertime affords us. And at the very beginning, we love it, but then we get into it. We begin complaining about the heat. We go into fall and we talk about, oh, this is my favorite season of life. And we get into it, then we begin complaining about the leaves falling. Then we go into then we go into springtime and many will say, oh, I just love this time of year. But then we get into it and our nose begins snotting and, and begin running. And we say, I'm tired of this, at these allergies in this season. And then wintertime comes. And we all like the change of every season. Wintertime comes, but you know, wintertime brings with it a lot of things. It brings about uh, more effort, if you will. In other words, to just go through wintertime, we have to go through a lot of extra effort. To get here this morning, you had to put on extra clothing. You had to, you had to make sure you were, would be warm and comfortable enough because you know that those two people that uh, run the thermostat at Merville Baptist are going to keep it ice cold in there. And one of your complaints is going to be, I'm about to freeze. My wife said that she's going to bring her an electric blanket and run her a yellow drop cord from the nearest plug all the way across the room and plug in her electric blanket. And we, wintertime, we go through extra effort in life to make sure that we're, that we're comfortable and that we uh, can enjoy the season. But not only just an extra effort, but wintertime speaks of extra expense. We have to uh, buy more gas. We have to pay a higher light bill because it takes more expense during wintertime to heat things up. Then it's just a time of extra, extra. I mean, we, 
we have to go through extra things, extra efforts, extra expenses, extra, extra things that we have to do during the winter time of season. But winter time also speaks of things getting cold and hardened. Cold and hardened and, and it's just difficult to work your way through the cold and the hardened times of life. And can I say it like this? This world has winterized itself against the things of God and they've become more cold to the things of God and they've become more winterized to the things in the Word of God and the things of Almighty God. They don't want to hear what God's got to say about anything. They don't want to, they don't want to include themselves on the things of God. And this world has become winterized against God and His ways. Can I get a witness right there? A neighbor was out walking uh, at the very beginning of our winter season. And we, and I hollered at her and we spoke a few words to each other. And I said, I love this weather. And it was not really cold then, but it was turning cold. She said, I love this season, but I don't like the cold. And you know, cold come, brings with it a lot, like I say, a lot of things that harden and they get very cold to us. And I want to preach just for a little while with this thought in mind on come before winter. As Paul exhorted Timothy to do his diligence to get there before winter time set in, I want to encourage you to do some things in your life before winter time sets in on your life. They say that during the winter times over there in the east, that it became very hard to navigate the Mediterranean Sea. And Paul knew that if Timothy did not make it there before winter time set in, that there was going to come a time when Timothy would not be able to make his journey. There would be a time when Timothy would not be able to set sail and make his way to where Paul was. He knew there would be a time where it would be closed down to Timothy and Timothy would not be able to make that journey to go see Paul. And he says, Timothy, he says, do thy diligence. Make every effort before winter time sets in to get to where I am. I want to take that thought and kind of unpack it this morning and consider it. And I want to say, number one, that that, that expression, come before winter, it expresses an expression of urgency. An expression of urgency. And you know, this Bible that we preach, this Bible that we read, this Bible that God wrote and, and has given us in life, it is a book of urgency. It's a book that stresses an urgency about it. If you're going to do something, you better get to doing it. And it expresses that urgency over and over and over to us. You know why? Because God knows what the future holds. God knows what's in the near future. And can I say it like this? Not only does he know and realize what's in the future, he knows what's in your future. He knows what's in your life. 
He knows what's ahead in your life. He knows what's going to happen this afternoon. We don't know, but he knows what's going to happen this afternoon in your life. He knows what's going to happen tonight in your life. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow if you see tomorrow in your life. He knows every person in this room. And sometimes we just forget to understand this. Our days are numbered down here on this earth. They're numbered. The Bible says it like this. There's an appointed time unto man upon the earth. We all have an allotted time. You're not going to live forever down here. Everybody, if Jesus tarries, is going to have a funeral service. Everybody's body is going to be laid in a casket someday. We all have an appointed time on this earth. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, David wrote these words. He said, there is but a step between me and death. Did you realize your next step? In between the step you take and your very next step, you could be gone from this world. That's how quick death can seize upon us. And none of us know when that time's going to come. None of us know when that hour's going to visit our lives. None of us know. None of us, none of us in this room, none of us know when we're going to leave this world. Come before winter. It's an expression of urgency. The Bible says this. It says in Job chapter 9, Job writing, he said, Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. They are passed away as the swift ships. In Job chapter 7, he said, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. In Psalm chapter 39, the writer of this psalm said this. He said, Thou hast made my days as in hand breath. In James chapter 4, he said, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Time is short. This life is short. I'm just about to reach 70 years old. When I was 30, when I was 40, I thought 70 was ancient. When I was a young person, I couldn't even fathom in my mind of being 70 years old. But can I tell you from experience that 70 years on this earth is nothing at all. And my life could end today. And I want to live. I want to give God every bit of my life. I want to give Him everything that I got while I've got time on earth. I want people to know that Jesus saved me and changed my life. Salvation is the most important thing in this room right now. You being saved and you being right with God is the very most important thing. Nothing else matters in life. It does not matter how much money you've got in a bank account. Your money's not going to do a thing for you at death. You're not going to take not one penny with you when you leave this world. 
Some think, well, my fame and my, my popularity, that's what matters in life. You can, be, you can be on every cinema screen there is, and everybody know you by name. Everybody mentions you by your name in the, in the quietness of their life. But your popularity and your fame will do nothing for you when it comes your hour to die. The only thing, the only person that should know you is Jesus Christ. And Him is your Savior. There's a lot of people, when I, when I lived down in Waycross, Waycross, the original name of Waycross, I read an article one time, and the article was written in a newspaper. And the original name of Waycross, Georgia, was Way of the Cross, Georgia. We used to have Way of the Cross camp meetings there at our church. And the article went on to say that you could, not, you could not walk down the streets of Waycross, Georgia without somebody having given you a tract and inviting you to church and witnessing to you. Brother Nathan Dinsmore stood here this morning at our opening devotion and he told about going and seeing a movie and God just stressing on his heart and his mind our need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We're living in an hour when this world, this world could be no more. We're nearing the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming back. And if we ever make, if we ever determine to get our lives with, right with God, it is the hour for us to get right with God. When we lived in Waycross, there would be signs on, on telephone poles. And the sign would just have a simple message. And this was the message, get right with God. Get right with God. That's all the sign would say. And you would see them uh, go down a major highway and you would see that sign just posted and plastered on an un unknown place. And there it would be, get right with God. We need, those, we need that sign posted across this entire United States. Get right with God. Time is short. It's running out. There's not going to be enough time for you to make up your mind at the last minute. It's going to come as a twinkling of an eye. Jesus is coming back. You better get right with God. The urgency, the expression of urgency in this statement. Come before winter. Come before winter. Timothy, there's coming a time when you're not going to be able to make it to where I am. Come before winter. Expression of urgency. Life is short. Eternity is eternal. There's no ending to eternity. If, you, if you're sitting here this morning and there's any doubt in your mind of whether you're right with God, I beg you to run to Jesus Christ. I beg you to run to the altar. I beg you to get out of your seat and come to where Jesus is and, and confess to Him your need for a Savior. Confess to Him that you need to be right with Him and don't put it off. Don't wait to another service. Don't wait to another day. Don't wait to another time. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. It's an expression of urgency. But not only is it that, it's an enticement to unite. Timothy read those words and it was written by the hand of Paul. And Paul 
the greatest, the greatest Christian of his day was writing to Timothy and he invited Timothy to come be with him. Can you imagine what an honor that was to even know Paul? To know this one who gave his entire life for the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you imagine what it would be to get an invite from him to come to where he was, to get a personal phone call, to get a personal letter written, to get an invite? Please, Timothy, I need you with me. Come be with me. With that thought in mind, I want to say this. There's a lot of invitations in life. There's a lot of people that invite you to come yoke up with them. But not every person you yoke up with has got your best interest at heart. Every person that you yoke up with might be a bad influence in your life. You hang around, you hang around dogs long enough, you'll get fleas on you. You hang around cats long enough, you'll get their fur on you. You hang around, around, I wish I'd get somebody to help me preach this morning. You get somebody in your life that's bad company, that's a bad influence. Your life will wind up going down and wind up being bad. You better watch who you hang around with. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, he said, Timothy, come be with me. I'd rather hang out with the people of God then I had to hang out with all those Hollywood stars, all of those people that call themselves celebrities. I'd rather hang around the people of God than any other crowd that I know. That's the people that are pray for you. Your friends won't pray for you when you get down. All they'll do is hand you a bottle. All they'll do is hand you some dope. All they'll do is try to, is try to get you to where you don't even understand the pain. But can I tell you, there's a group of people by the the name of the church and that's the people you want to hang around with and even at that there's some you want to be aware of not every person you listen to me young people not every person you hang around is good for you to hang around there's a lot of bad people in life that's going the wrong way you know who's the best person for you to yoke up with in life? Jesus Christ, exactly right. But the best person, the best human for you to look, hook up with in life is somebody that's going to pray for you and encourage you to live for Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness right there? You hang around somebody that encourages you to drink, you'll be drinking. You, you hang around somebody that encourages you to smoke dope, you'll be smoking dope. I wish I'd get somebody to help me preach this morning. I'm telling the God's truth this morning. Influence is a powerful thing in people's lives. I've seen it time and time and time again where a Christian family will raise children and raise them right and do everything they can to pour into their lives the things of God and good things in their lives. And those children get to hanging around the wrong ones. And in hanging around those wrong ones, they begin going down themselves. The children who knew God, who knew about God, who knew the things of God, who were in church every service, that, knew, that heard the choir sing, that heard the preacher preach, they got around the wrong crowd. 
and it took their lives away. You may be away from God. You may be far from what your parents taught you. I beg you to get back with the things of God. If you're ever going to get it right, you better get it right today because winter times are coming. Winter time is coming. Come before winter. The greatest invitation that's ever again given is the invitation of God. The very first time he ever gave an invitation in the Bible was to Noah. He said, come on, come inside the ark. God was already in there and he invited Noah and his family to come and be in the ark with him. <coughs> I want to ask you something. <coughs> Excuse me, I want to ask you something. What if Noah had a refused? What if Noah had said, oh, I can put that off to another day? Whenever Noah and his family walked inside of that ark, God shut him in and protected him from what was about to happen. You keep putting off this call of God, and one day it'll be too late. And there's a truth that runs throughout human history. It runs throughout everything that we encounter in life. The longer you put off something, the more easy it'll be to put it off. You put it off today, you can put it off tomorrow. You put it off tomorrow, you can put it off the next day. You put it off the next day, it'll be easier for you to put it off 200 years from now. You keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep putting it off. And it becomes easier and easier and easier for you to say no. There's many reasons why people would say no to God. I lived 29 years in my life before I said yes to Jesus Christ. I knew something was missing in my life. I didn't know exactly what it was. Didn't understand the gospel. Didn't understand the, the ways of the Lord and at 29 years old, God began dealing with my heart about getting my life right with God. We just had a, our firstborn son. He was about eight months old, and I turned to Jesus Christ. And I said, you know, I've got a child, and I need to raise them. I don't need to be raising them the way that I'm living. I didn't want my children to live the way that I was living at that time. And I turned my life to Jesus Christ. And I got saved. I got born again. I got, I got right with God. And I never regret that day. I've been saved since I was 29 years old. Been in the church ever since that day. I got saved on a Sunday night. And I do not regret not one day of my life with Jesus Christ. Oh, there's been some hard days. There's been some hard times. There's been some things that I faced that, that was tough. But can I say it like this? Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me through it all. And I'd rather go through things with Jesus Christ in this life than go through it without Him and try to fight my way through. Some of you sitting here this morning and you know God's knocking on your door right now. You know that God is visiting you right now. You know that God is pressing that urgency of salvation on you. 
You better listen to what God's trying to tell you. God's real. God is real. God is real. And he knows what's ahead in your life. It was an invitation. Uh, we were listening to uh, Billy Graham, the Billy Graham channel. Brother Nathan told me about it. And on Sirius XM, Billy Graham's got a, a, a channel just devoted to his old, his old days of preaching. And you remember Billy Graham, he, in his early days, he was a hellfire and brimstone preacher, man. He was called the pastor of America. He was called the president's pastor. And he would stand in the Oval Office with pastors and preachers and he would, and he would counsel them about things that they were facing in their, in their presidency. And Billy Graham would stand in, in, in uh, stadiums, football stadiums, and he'd stand there and he would preach the word of God and he would tell the entire crowd that they needed to get right with God. God opened doors for him to go across the waters and preach in different countries and he'd preach the same message, you need to get right with God and they'd give an invitation at the end of every service and he'd stand there and he'd fold his arms and he'd look up to the top, top rack and he said, he said, it'll take you a few minutes to get here. We've timed it. If you start right now, it'll take you three minutes to get from where you are to down here. And you need to come. You need to come. You need to come. And they'd start with that song. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Oh, I Invitation from God. I was reading and I was meditating. To be honest with you, at the outset of this day, I was torn between two messages to preach. And I've always told preachers whenever they would talk to me about those kind of times, I would say, well, if you've got two messages that you're torn between, it really don't matter which one you'd preach. God would use either one of them. And I would to God I could listen to myself. And then God, right before I walked out of my office, God settled my heart on what did he wanted me to preach this morning. Come before winter. You find many invitations given in the word of God from God to man. And I discovered something while I was studying. I believe it was this morning. Whenever somebody refuses the invitation of God, he told this truth in a parable. It upsets God. Matter of fact, it makes him angry that somebody would refuse his invitation. You see, it's not the preacher's invitation. It's not a man inviting another man. But it's God inviting whosoever to come and get right with him. 
The parable went, was told kind of like this, a, great, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant out to invite everybody he could. The servant went out and he said, said they went out and he started inviting people and it said they all began with one consent to make excuse. One said, well, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go prove them. I can't come. Another said, well, I bought some land and I need to go see my land that I bought. Whoever would buy land unseen is a nut anyway. He said, I bought some land and I need to go see my land that I bought. I can't come. And then the third one said, I'm, I married a woman. I married a wife. I can't come. And it says, and they all began with one consent, consent to make excuse. The servant went back to the, to the householder, told him the report that everybody made an excuse. And it said that the householder being angry. Why does it upset God so when people refuse his invitation? Because God gave everything. He gave all when he gave his son. He gave his only son to die for the sins of mankind. He gave his only son. And when people say no to his son, he doesn't take it lightly. He doesn't just casually pass it off. He takes it seriously. Calvary was a serious place when Jesus Christ died there. Calvary was a place of, of agony and being beaten beyond recognition. And Jesus Christ died on Calvary. When people say no to Jesus, they're saying no to God. And he doesn't take it lightly. It's an expression of urgency. It's an enticement to unite. But I want to say finally and lastly that it's an explanation of understanding. He said, you come before winter. Winter's going to set in. Winter time's coming. We all know winter time is coming. We all live the seasons of life. We experience the springtime. We experience the summer. We experience the fall. And we know that winter time is coming. We know that winter time is near. And Paul says, Timothy, if you're going to get to me, you better come before winter. This time's running out. This world is getting worse and worse and worse. Things are getting darker and darker and darker. People are getting more hateful as we sit here right here this morning. They just seem to take a Uzi and blow you away as they had to kill a bird. Don't matter to them anymore. We're living in a lawless age. And if you're ever going to get right with God, 
I beg you today. The Bible says, God speaking, He says, Behold, I've heard thee in an accepted time. He said, Behold, now is the time of salvation. Now is the accepted day. Don't put it off to another day. Don't put it off to another time. Don't wait till maybe another service. You never know when that time is going to run out. Winter time's coming. The cold's going to set it, set it still. It's going to set it cold. And it's going to set it hard to do anything. Come before winter. There was an old time preacher from years ago. Let's see if I can get my glasses. I'll read my notes. I've, thank you. Thank you. It takes several to keep me going. There was an old time preacher. His name was Dr. Clarence McCartney. And he preached for the first time in 1915 from this text. And his title of his sermon was, Come Before Winter. From that, that day, 1915, he preached that same sermon 40 years in a row on the same Sunday of every year. He preached, Come Before Winter. They asked Clarence McCartney, said, why do you preach that message every year? He said, because it's imperative that people get right with God. And he said, I've seen God use that message time and time and time again to get people right with Him. Several years ago, I was in, I think, if, I'm, if my memory serves me right, sis would can you come to the piano? Yeah, you can play, yeah. But Ted, would you get that just as I am up to sing for us? Several years ago, I was at Kroger and I was doing some things, getting some things. I got to noticing, I keep, I'm a receipt freak. I keep receipts on everything. And I got to noticing, I got more receipts to Kroger than I've got to anywhere else. I'm a Kroger-holic. Y'all pray for me that I get delivered from it, okay? <laughs> but I was in Kroger, and I was doing some shopping, and I rounded a corner, and I bumped into somebody. And it was a lady, probably, at that time, probably in her 40s. And she had visited our church uh, maybe one, two, three times and just sporadically, not in a row, not anything like that, just service here, years later, service there. And she would just pop up and we would, every time she would come at the invitation, she'd come down and she'd cry she'd get up and go back to her seat and we'd never see her again I bumped into this lady 
And we just chit-chatted for a little while. And then she brought up the subject of church. She said, I know, preacher, I need to be in church. And this is what she said. Listen to what she said. I'm coming. I'm coming. That was... I'm guessing that was six to eight years ago and she's never been since she told me that she was coming that day. I was out not long ago at a certain event. There she was. She was there. I've been other places and I would see her out at other places. There she was. She was there. But she just won't come around God and His people. She just leaves God out of her life. Winter time, the other day when I saw her, I thought, my God, she looked, please pardon me, she looked weathered like cold at setting. God offers people invitations. they can come freely they don't have to get things right they don't have to change things they just come as they are and he'll make things right when they get there I plead with you from the depths of my heart you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch nothing I plead with you in Jesus' name, come before me. You keep putting it off. You keep saying no. And those no's will get bigger and bigger and bigger. That resistance, that rejection will become easier and easier and easier. There's coming a time when you'll say your final no. That'll be it. God will walk away, do what he's got to do in somebody else's life. That'll be the end. Come before winter. Let's all stand.